This is an AMI podcast. Hi, I'm Fern Nullum, and welcome to Into You, the podcast where we put love under the microscope, shedding light on the do's, don'ts, and nightmare scenarios we find ourselves in while flirting with romance. I think the holidays can be a wonderful time to go out with your heart open, but your eyes open as well and your mind open. I am definitely going to be practicing my no thank you this holiday season. <laughs> we all come at dating from a slightly different angle, but we are often faced with very similar situations to shape up to. It's not that you have to shower your person with expensive gifts. It's about giving them gifts that are meaningful. Dating can uncover things about ourselves we never knew before. So, without further ado, let's get into you. Shall we jump in? Yes, please. Okay, let's do it. Can you believe it's December already? Well, love them or loathe them, the holidays are right around the corner. And here on Into You, we wanted to take a look at what the so-called most wonderful time of the year means for your love life. Today, I'm joined by clinical psychologist, relationship expert and author of Date Smart, Dr. Carla Marie Manley. Later, Dr. Carla dispels some of the myths around finding love at this time of year. I believe in being happy, but I don't think it's an ever-after issue. And helps us navigate what to say if our partner doesn't quite get us what we were hoping for this Christmas. Okay, well, where's the present? But first, I was keen to know why the holidays in particular seem to stir up those old familiar romantic feelings inside our psyche. What I've noticed is not only in the wintertime do we tend to turn more inward, but we tend to want someone in our environment to connect with, to play with, to cuddle with, to watch movies with. So there is a part of the holiday season where we naturally want to, air quotes, hibernate with somebody. And so I do think that that increases our drive for romantic connection. I think that so much of the holidays, we have these romanticized images of these perfect couples in sleighs together and opening presents together. And this is the time where engagements happen and all of that. So part of the romantic essence of the holidays is that we get the message that we should or we must have a significant other to share the holidays with. And so if you are feeling a little bit of pressure or, or even just inside yourself that you wish that you did have another half during the holidays, what would you say is the best way to handle being single over the holiday season? I really love how you phrase that. So there are two pieces. If you're feeling pressured, that is never a good reason <laughs> to go out and date and find a partner because I strongly believe that there are times in our lives and they can be weeks, months, or years where we want to be alone to explore who we are or explore different priorities in life. So if you're feeling pressured, whether it's by a mom, a dad, <laughs> friends, family, whomever, I think it's absolutely okay to say, you know what, I have really strong boundaries around that area and I prefer not to discuss my romantic situation any longer. And I think that you can be very kind and respectful about it. But if you're choosing to take a time off of dating, it's okay to say that. So for the other sector, for people who really want to date and haven't found 
that special somebody. I think the holidays can be a wonderful time to go out with your heart open, but your eyes open as well and your mind open so that your heart is open and receptive to meeting someone. Your eyes are looking and paying attention, but your mind is also aware that just because it's the holidays, you don't want to ignore things like red flags. But the holidays do give us many opportunities. We can meet people at office parties, friends parties, get-togethers of all sorts, even out shopping. So I do think it can be a wonderful opportunity to connect with like-minded people and maybe have it turn into something really wonderful. Don't do it just like myself, for example, if you're a massive people pleaser. (laughs) Absolutely, Fern. That is the essence of dating smart, really slowing down and knowing yourself. What are your needs? It's not that you have to love yourself perfectly or have a perfect life or have everything in order. No, no. Most of us don't ever get there, right? (laughs) Oh, I'm not alone. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're not alone. It is about just slowing down and saying, is this timing right for me? And when we start from that place and then saying, what do I want from somebody and what do I have to give to somebody insofar as time, if you want children, you know, all of those things, then you start dating mindfully and dating with intention. When we're dating with intention, then we're putting our heart and our mind together to say, I know what I want. I'm a good person and I deserve to have a good person come into my life. I know on this podcast, we talked before about how the media and especially films can really influence how we think about romantic relationships. In what ways can we be deceived about what romance (laughs) can look like during the holidays? You're talking about one of my favorite movies, Love Actually, right? (laughs) Surely that's all true, isn't it? (laughs) Of course. And I'm a hopeless romantic. I'm a hopeless optimist. And I'm the one who believes that those things happen, right? (laughs) And I believe that we can take those images with a grain of salt and say, yes, they're wonderful romanticized images. And we can certainly strive for romance and wonder and delight, but we also have to be prepared for rigors, for challenges, and we can't let our illusions, and they are promoted by movies from the time we're tiny little ones, right? It is happily ever after. And I don't know about you. I believe in being happy, but I don't think it's an ever after issue. You know, I think we have to work at finding joy in our lives, work through challenges in our romantic relationships. And I think that that is what builds the ever after. We tend to forget that all relationships take work, they take effort, and they also, and this is such an important piece, they take two people who are like-minded. And we don't see a lot of that in holiday movies. These two people get together and then they live happily ever after. But often we meet someone and we fall in love with them, but their priorities or values or life goals are very different from ours. And unless both people work to align and collaborate, there isn't a happily ever after. Mm, Yeah, they never cover that in the Christmas movies, do they? Are you actually compatible? (laughs) No, it doesn't matter. (laughs) No, because we turn it off and say, oh, I don't want to watch something realistic. I want something really happy. Oh, if only we could live in that 
world. That would be very nice. But it raises an important point around expectations. I think expectations is such a sore point over the holidays because the more I think about this, the more I feel like there's a parallel between this happily ever after romantic relationship and this idea that we have of the most wonderful time of the year, that when this time comes around, everyone will be happy. There is just no misery to be found in this time. How can we set more realistic expectations and make sure that our expectations are aligning with the person that we're dating or are in a relationship with? Mismatched expectations or expectations that are really oriented toward perfection are one of the biggest stumbling blocks in relationships. And so I think it's important for all of us, write down what are our expectations? Do I expect, for example, all of these gifts from my romantic partner? Do I expect my romantic partner to give me, you know, a vacation to Tahiti, right? Do I expect my family to arrive perfectly dressed, perfectly on time, and the dinner to go without a hitch. And when we start looking at our expectations, if they're rigid and if they're too high, then it's unlikely that we will have really joy-filled holidays because the expectations aren't realistic. I'm a recovering type A person, right? And so I used to be very goal-oriented toward perfection, and I've realized it took away my joy. And so what I've learned to do, and I think it's so important in our own lives and in our relationships, is to really work at having healthy expectations that make a lot of space for the wabi-sabi in life and for imperfection in life and really celebrate that. So if somebody's showing up late to dinner, then it doesn't have to ruin the dinner. Or if the turkey burns, well, that's okay. It's an opportunity to order in something wonderful. So I think that it's important to be flexible while also, and I really have to say this, it doesn't mean that flexibility means you should be a doormat. It simply means that you have your expectations and especially in a romantic partnership, you want to talk with your partner openly and honestly about each of your expectations. Because if you don't do that, then a mismatch can occur and there can be lots of hurt feelings. Somebody might really value giving and getting gifts and that's the way that you show love. And the other person may not be a gift giver. Their way of showing love may be more about touch or kissing and neither one's wrong, but talking about them in advance and finding a meeting ground. That's how we deal with expectations in a healthy way. Oh, I think you've just taken a massive weight off so many people's shoulders. If the turkey burns, it's okay. Oh, thank goodness. (laughs) It's absolutely okay. And I look (laughs) at it as an opportunity to laugh and say, oh my goodness, isn't that a fabulous story? What can we find open right now? How can we replace that? And when we bring humor to it, Fern humor is one of the most beautiful elements of healing and creating flexibility in relationships. Life throws us things. It throws us curveballs and snowballs. And let's laugh at them. Let's just let those snowballs fly at Christmas time for sure. (laughs) I'm going to try and save many couples from having an argument this Christmas by asking you. So I know you've just said that maybe you should have a chat beforehand. But if you haven't had a chat beforehand and your partner does the unthinkable and you're disappointed with the present that they give you or indeed if they don't give you the present. How should you react? What do you do, Dr. Carla, not to create a big row on Christmas Day? Oh my goodness. That is such a good question. Having been there in that situation. (laughs) I think we all have. (laughs) We all have. 
this is such an important piece for us to have compassion with ourselves and with each other because the holidays, and this is something that I've really realized in my clinical work, but in my own life, that the holidays tend to bring out our hurt inner child. All of those Christmases past where we weren't seen or didn't get the doll we wanted or the car we wanted or the new outfit we wanted or were passed by or where there were family dynamics going on that were really horrible. We carry that often very unconsciously into our adult holidays. And so sometimes if that's running the show, let's say we're a people pleaser and we want everything to be perfect and we want everyone to be happy and we want to be happy and we want our mate to be happy and it's so much pressure. But when we just pause for a second and say, wait a second, this is me in the adult world. Yeah, I know I had some baggage from the past and that's okay and I'll continue to work on it. But what do I want from this day? What I want from this day is likely joy and connection and safety and being loved and being seen. And so when we get disappointed and knowing that disappointment's a feeling, it's okay to be disappointed. It's really okay. It's okay to be angry and sad and frustrated. It's just how we deal with all of those emotions, right? That matters. And so let's go into that unthinkable scenario where we give our sweetheart the most wonderful present and they look at us and they hand us a box of cookies, right? Or nothing. And we're going, okay, well, where's the present, yeah. right? Yep. What we can do is really just take a moment be mindful, maybe excuse ourselves for a few minutes because it's likely that our emotions are really high right then. We're feeling hurt and not seen and angry. Take a little time out, get a glass of water, do some breathing, and then go back to your sweetheart. Make sure that there's a quiet space. If you're able to even wait a day, that's ideal, but sometimes we just need to talk, right? It's okay to tell your significant other, even if it's someone you're dating, you know, I know we didn't talk about our expectations. But I want you to know that Christmas is just such an important holiday to me. And so I gave you the best gift that I could give, which, you know, I hope you enjoy it. And in the future, maybe if you could do something similar, that would feel really good to me. I have to say, Dr. Carla, you described me to a T with the people pleasing and the wanting everyone to be happy. That's all I want at Christmas. Yes, you know me well. Well, I think we're mirrors of each other, right? <laughs> we like people to be happy and we like things to be smooth. Now, here's the interesting thing, Fern, especially if you're screening a romantic partner to see if they're going to be a lifelong mate, pay attention to how they respond. If they respond with something that's demoralizing or demeaning, like, oh, you're such a pampered brat. Mm. Well, red flag, giant red flag. But if they come back to you and say something like, oh my goodness, tell me more about that. I'd really like to know because I want you to be happy. And for me and my family, we grew up, you know, just giving sweets and that was Christmas. So thank you for letting me know. And watch this. If that person happens to say, you know what, the stores will be open tomorrow. Let's go and pick you out something really special because I really want to make this right for you. You've got your one for life. <laughs> you you oh, if somebody's meeting you, it's not about the gift itself. It's about being seen and being met in the relationship. And gifts for some people can be really symbolic of being seen and being adored. 
It felt as though Dr. Carla was ripping the wrapping from our surface-level festive feuds and getting right to the heart of the matter. Still, I couldn't help but wonder what the most common complaint amongst couples is during this oh-so-seemingly lovey-dovey period. So, as is the protocol of most scientific studies in 2021, I put out a post on social media, and here are a selection of my favourite answers. The sentence reads, The most ridiculous disagreement I had with a partner during the holidays was... Finish the sentence. Abby, when he ate all of my favourite chocolates in the box and left me all the rubbish ones. Yes, Abby, why are there always those certain ones that nobody wants? And more to the point, why do they keep making those ones? Eric, because I ran out of wrapping paper and had to use newspaper instead, my in-laws ended up with very inky fingers. (laughs) Some would call that a free tattoo with every gift, Eric. Georgina, who ate Santa's cookies before the kids had even gone to bed. Oh dear, I bet somebody wound up with coal in their stocking that year. And Billy, when he asked me to buy him exercise clothes, but I heard it as XL size clothes. Oh no. After that, I can only imagine it was you doing the running, Billy. Dr. Carla had made me think about how we can dress up our dating lives as a winter wonderland dream with fairy lights and tinsel, but in order to actually make it fly, we can't simply rely on reindeer and actually have to do some of the legwork ourselves. With this in mind, I asked Dr. Carla how we might use the holiday season to strengthen our most intimate relationships. One of the important ways is to set healthy boundaries. That means being able to say, I need this, I prefer this, and then listening to your partner come back and then finding a meeting ground. So for people who are people pleasers like you or me would be saying, okay, let's go to your mom's house. Let's go to your sister's house. Oh, yes, sure. I'll go to your work party. Oh, yes, I'll buy another outfit for that. Oh, yes, sure. I'll bake five loaves of bread and five trays of cookies, right? (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. What that person would work at doing is saying, you know, can we just slow things down? Let's talk about finding some balance here. So I'd love to see your mom and I'd love to see your sister, but that's really all I have the bandwidth for. Maybe won't be able to do the work party or maybe the work party for two hours and then leave. And as far as the cooking goes, love to cook. How about we make two loaves of bread and one batch of cookies together. And then your partner can come back because you're likely saying, let's go shopping. Let's go to my friends, whatever it is. Right. (laughs) And then your partner gets to say, you know what? I'm more of an introvert. And so can we find some balance here? Partnered or unpartnered boundaries. We can always work on those. Another one is positive reframing challenges when they come your way. So as much as we think of, oh my God, this is going to happen during the holidays and oh, my uncle tends to get drunk and that's going to be a disaster or my sweetheart spends more money than we really have in the bank. So we're looking at all of these things as negatives. Mm. So if we learn to pause, not whitewash what's happening, but say, wait a second, okay, we're going to mom's house and, you know, my aunts and uncles will be there and a couple of them get tipsy and some get combative. How can I reframe this to the positive? Well, to make my relationship really feel more connected, I'm going to be there with my partner and we're going to work as a team to, hey, if the shenanigans start, we're going to 
absent ourselves and go to the kitchen and wash dishes or leave a half hour early, but we're going to work at facing things as a team. Mm. And that is one of the most important things that we can do with our holidays so that when January comes, we're not looking at credit card statements that have us saying, oh my God, why did I do that? Right? (laughs) We can come out of these holidays stronger and more joyful than ever, even if everything goes awry. (laughs) The other piece is being grateful. Research shows that gratitude practices really improve relationships and keep them healthy in the long run. And the holidays are a perfect time to do that. Most of us have warm clothes and a warm house and presents and family and friends. That's so much to be grateful for. Mm. Another thing is if you get triggered during the holidays, to use it as a time to talk to your partner about what's triggering you. It's the opportunity to say to your partner, you know, God, I feel my people please are coming out right now. I'm really tuning into myself. And then your partner can say, hey, well, let's work together on that. Maybe we can pass on this invitation. Maybe we can practice some no thank yous here, right? (laughs) And this is an opportunity for them to tune into that world a little more so that they can strengthen their EQ muscles and really work a little bit on, oh, I can really see how how she might feel that way or he might feel that way, whatever's happening. And the last one, if you're splurging on anything during the holidays, one of the best ways to really build your bond is to get plenty of R&R. There's an acronym, HALT, H-A-L-T. And when we're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, we are far more likely to be reactive. I am definitely going to be practicing my no thank you this holiday (laughs) season. Thank you, Dr. Carla. That is definitely one for me. And talking of the tipsy aunts and uncles, as you mentioned there, because it just strikes me that people might be meeting their partner's family perhaps for the first time during the holiday seasons. Have you got any tips for that? I think one of the most important things when you're going to meet family members, whether for the first time or the 10th time, right, there are often a lot of jitters. So I really recommend just get as much background from your significant other or your partner beforehand as possible. So if there's the tipsy grandpa or the tipsy aunt or uncle or somebody who tends to be a little bit of a gaslighter, Share that in advance and then share a few strategies. Like if you're feeling uncomfortable, squeeze my hand twice and we'll go for a short walk together and recalibrate and to really make it about teamwork because the idea is to be there and to have fun. Everyone has a different tolerance and particularly for somebody who's meeting family for the first time, staying for five hours might be really overwhelming. Whereas staying for three hours, leaving on that high note, just being really cognizant of your partner's needs because while you may be comfortable and familiar with your family, your partner may very much feel like a fish out of water. Leave them wanting more, maybe. Leave them wanting more, yes. (laughs) Well, we've talked about how the holidays aren't always, you know, fun and games and the most romantic, wonderful time of the year. If you feel like maybe your relationship or your dating situation just isn't quite going the way that you want it to and you feel like you might need to break up with someone, is it kinder to wait until the holidays are over or should you just bite the bullet? (laughs) Oh, that feels like such a tricky dilemma. I believe it depends on the situation. If you're about to break up with someone who doesn't have friends or family, 
and will be very alone and really isolated during the holidays and it might send them spiral into depression or something, that is something to factor in. The other possibility though is if the person has a lot of support and they'll be really embraced during the holiday season, whether you're there or not, it is absolutely appropriate so that there isn't all this gift exchange and all of these expectations and then the person disappears, right? Mm -hmm. The other piece, however, and I really have to say that is if you're with a partner who is being abusive, gaslighting, difficult in any way, it is absolutely 100% okay, more than okay to break up as soon as possible because that will give you the chance to begin to heal and rest and relax and be loved up by the people in your life who really do care for you. I'm talking of breaking up and exes. Of course, you know, I guess it goes back to the old romantic feeling of the holidays. It can suddenly stir up those old feelings from the past, can't it? And you start to think about those exes and those lost loves. Now, Dr. Carla, is it a good idea to contact an ex during the holidays? So first, make sure your ex isn't with someone, because if your ex is with somebody new, it's in my book, absolutely 100% inappropriate to reach out and impact their holiday joy. However, if you know that your ex is free, then it is certainly okay to reach out in the holidays. Know what your intention is. Know if you just want to say hi. Know if you want to hook up for a night. Know if you're looking to rekindle. So really know your intentions. I'm a big believer on that in relationships because I think that you can really do whatever you want in life. Date however you want, hook up, look for long-term, look for short-term, whatever it is, but know your intentions and be clear about your intentions and ask the other person to be clear with you. That way, nobody's disappointed. You're right. Oftentimes during the holidays, we remember the highlights of relationships and we remember the romantic cuddles and the snow falling on us and the wonderful trips and all of that. And we tend to forget all of the things that left us to part ways. So I think it's important before you reach out, even if the person is single, to say, what caused us to part ways? And have I worked on that part of myself? And is that other person working on himself or herself? Because research shows us that if partners break up and they don't work on themselves in the interim, they'll go through the little limerence stage and great sex and great connection. And then all of the problems that were there before will manifest and sometimes be far worse Mm -hmm. because there's less tolerance in that second round or third round. And some people say, well, third time's a charm. No. (laughs) Just leave it be if the work hasn't been done and put your energy into finding someone who is the kind of person that you really want to be with. It might be like having a fabulous holiday season, but those credit card bills are waiting just around the corner. Absolutely. And that doesn't do us any good when it becomes January or February and going, what in goodness name did I do hooking up with this person again? I'm miserable. (laughs) And speaking of working on ourselves and moving forward in self-development, are there things about ourselves that we should be aware of to help our romantic relationships to thrive over the holiday season? 
Absolutely. If I'm any type of junkie, I am a self-awareness junkie. Mm -hmm. I believe that we want to constantly polish the stone of who we are. Mm -hmm. That's what I call it. Then the holidays are a wonderful time to really look at how we're showing up in the world, look at our expectations, look at what we expect of our partners. Are we being too hard on them? Are we letting them off the hook and not making them be accountable, right? There are so many things that we can always be working on. So I think that that's such an important thing that we can do during the holidays is just to slow down, not let too much of the external chaos sidetrack us and take some quiet time to check in and say, how am I facing today? We don't do that in our everyday lives, but let alone during the holidays when there's even more going on. And we've spoken a little bit about January coming and the new year. Do you have any practical New Year's resolutions that couples can make to enhance their relationship moving forward? Are there any things that we can kind of promise each other that we're going to try? Oh, my goodness. I have so many because I do a lot of work with couples, but I'll keep it just to maybe a few top three. (laughs) One thing you can do with your sweetheart is find a good couples book and set aside time just to share with each other, read to each other and learn a little bit together so that your relationship keeps evolving so that you stay connected. And I have couples who do that. They call it like their book club Sundays or Saturdays and they'll find a book and they'll work on it together and they'll do the journey together. And sometimes they'll read separate books and then bring little bits of the book and share it with each other. So really having mindful relationship time like that. I also think making time for quiet exercise together. A lot of couples who do exercise together do adrenaline exercise together. (laughs) And that's great and wonderful, but it's also important to do hand-holding type exercise together where you're walking and strolling and sharing thoughts of your day and hopes and dreams and all of those things. And then a third one is really make time in the new year to create a vision board with your sweetheart. It doesn't need to be a big one. You can just clip things from a magazine and put them on, you know, a poster board. And it is so amazing when you do that with a significant other, how much you learn about what they clip out and they put on their board. Mine tend to be flowers and love and helping people. And my significant others like motorcycles, tigers, (laughs) dirt, you know, dollar signs, right? All these things that I'm just looking and saying, huh, it really tells me what you value. And they change year to year, but they spark conversation from the creative brain. I was really laughing when you were talking about going for a stroll because I'm a power walker, basically. And my partner always says to me, can we just slow down and just walk at a normal rate? I really have to make myself slow down. That's a good piece of advice for me. Well, Fern, I'm a power walker too. So I get what you're saying and I get the same comment. Yes, sometimes we have to turn down our pace a little bit. He'll appreciate you saying that to me. (laughs) So if you have been with your partner for a while, how can you make the holidays romantic? and exciting in a long-term relationship. One of my favorite sayings around that is if you're bored with your partner, 
you're not paying attention. Because if we allow ourselves to get bored, it means we're not being curious or we have an incredibly boring partner. But assuming (laughs) that your partner is not a boring human being, we need to stay invested in our relationships. That's the piece that makes a new relationship so alluring and enchanting. We are curious. We want to know all about that person. We want to be with them. We want to kiss them. We want to touch them. You know, everything's new. Everything's wonderful. Well, If we stop dating that person and let that dating energy go by the wayside, then we let it go by the wayside. But if we keep that dating energy in place by simple things, like when your sweetheart walks in the door, even if you're working, get up, give a kiss, keep some of those dating practices because that is what makes our heart go pitter patter. It's not that you have to shower your person with expensive gifts. It's about giving them gifts that are meaningful treating them the way you did when you were dating. So beautifully put. I love that. And speaking about love and relationships in general, I'm going to ask my million dollar question now that I like to leave to last. What can the holidays teach us about love and relationships in general? I love that question. (laughs) I think that we can learn so much from the holidays because it's almost as if they shine a light on what we value. Do we value monetary gifts? Do we value connective time? Do we value time with our romantic partner? Do we value quiet? I think my partner probably values quiet, but I don't think he gets very much of it with me around, unfortunately. (laughs) I do my best. And the last thing I think is being really compassionate, being compassionate with ourselves, with our partners, with our families, and with those who are less fortunate, not just to give to our romantic partner, our nuclear family, our friends, but to give a little bit more beyond that or a lot more. What a lovely way to sum up the holidays and romantic relationships in general. I'm definitely feeling all very warm and fuzzy now after that. Thank you, Dr. Carly. <laughs> I'm so glad our paths have crossed and may you have a wonderful and love-filled holiday season. Dr. Carla had this wonderful way of being realistic and down-to-earth, yet still absolutely convincing me of the magic that love can be for life and not just for Christmas. As always, I want to hear from you. How do the holidays impact your romantic relationships? And what are your resolutions for the new year when it comes to love? Leave me a comment and let me know. For now, though, you've been listening to Into You with me, Fern Lullum. Special thanks to my guest, Dr. Carla Marie Manley, whose links will, of course, be in the show notes. Also to Joshua Holland and Sam Robinson for technical support and to the manager of AMI, Andy Frank. Leave me your feedback at feedback at ami.ca. If you liked what you heard, make sure to search for Into You on your favourite or indeed any podcast distributing platform and subscribe for more episodes coming your way on the first Thursday of every month. So, in terms of your love life, until the new year, good luck.